Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. It takes a pandemic. Okay, you fill in the rest. For instance, it takes a pandemic for me to finally clean out my desk. Right, um, it takes a pandemic to start reading that pile of New Yorkers. Uh, it takes a pandemic for me to finally learn to fake. Well, for audiences of live performance, it takes a pandemic to cherish our actors and musicians. With our great jazz venues and theaters closed, live performance has stopped. But actors and musicians continue to create. They have to. It's who they are. For this Hunker Down podcast, I talk with these artists who perform for a living about how social distancing is affecting their work now and when this is all over. About their dedication to the art of live performance. Recently, Hunker Down received this unusual audio request from a person sounding quite familiar. I do have an idea for our promotion. Um, the, I don't get much marketing budget. So my thought is that um, I go on podcasts of people who have lots of people. So you have millions of people listening to your podcasts. So you should have me on your show. So I can promote my show. Wow. Was that Melania Trump, the Flotus? No, no, that was an actress, actually, with an unusual last name. Let me help you with that. Lo, Ju, Di, Che. I'm Lauren Lojudice. Thank you, Lauren Lojudice. I think I got that right. She is an Italian young lady, tall, not like the rest of her Italian family. We're going to maybe find out how that happened. After graduation from Wesleyan University, where she played basketball, Lauren traveled to the Far East on a fellowship award from the American India Foundation. In Bangalore, India, she helped AIDS patients and then studied Bharata Natyam, an ancient Indian dance form. Lauren worked for a while as a model and while at the Lakme Fashion Week in Bombay, she decided to be an actor. And when she returned to New York City, she studied with Michael Howard. Since then, she has performed in films, on soaps and commercials, and co-starred on the television show Veeps. And she was named by Go Magazine in their 100 Women We Love in 2008. She was a Moth Story Slam champion in 2016, and most recently, Lauren has been invading the bodies of famous women. First, there was Greta Garbo, and that went on for a while, and now Melania Trump. This is going to be interesting. Hey, Lauren Lagudice, so wonderful to have you on Hunker Down. I have been reading about you, and it's like it's hard to know where to start a conversation <laughs> with this young lady. You are kind of all over the place and doing some wonderful stuff. Again, thank you very much for joining us on Hunker Down. Thank you. Um, it's wonderful to see you, and I'm, 
I was really kind of excited to meet you because later on we're going to meet one of your, um, yeah. uh, uh, someone that you know very well. Yes. That is going yes. To, that's going to come into the room with us. And, and I have some questions for Melania mm-hmm. Trump. So um, we're, we, we will talk to Melania a little bit later. I'm, I'm really excited about that. I am happy to be here. I'm just coming in for a second. Okay. Oh, the best. oh <laughs> Melania, thank you. Thank you very much. Well, go, go prep and we'll be right back to you. Uh, in, yes. in about 15. Yeah, I, have, I have to go do Kegels on my Pilates machine. I'll be right back. Okay, oh, bye. wow. You have it right here. That's wonderful. Melania, that's, that's so great. You've got the machine right there. So just don't make too many, too many grunting sounds in the background, please. Uh, so we can... I don't make sounds at all. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I'm used to it because with my trumps, I can't make any sounds. So con- in contract. <laughs> be silent and act dead. Okay. Keep, or maybe keep... like 14-year-old. Hey, okay. <laughs> Keep quiet. Uh, 14-year-olds are not silent, but uh, that's a whole other conversation. Mm-hmm. So, um, Lauren, tell me, how are you handling social distancing? You seem like a, uh, I need to get together with people up person. Uh, I am, and it's really hard, really, really, really hard. And how I've dealt with it is um, by obviously focusing on some of the things that I have coming up, which is focusing on like getting my book in order. We made an audio book ebook so it's like getting that whole thing together just focusing on that and then doing daily videos as melania uh, has been really helpful in terms of continuing to create having the urgency there in my my day so like like i got to get the video up like something just happened we got to write something i'm working on that with um stand-up jesse snedden he and i created the, the touring show that we were doing we're supposed to be on tour in may and june with the melania character Yes. So basically I created the, the Melania Trump roadshow, get out the vote and get me out of the White House of Garbage. So it coincided with my book release. So we were going to go on tour and like, you know, have my book there. And it was like a nice, fun voting pep rally. Sounds like a great and summer. Yeah. And then yeah. this. Yeah. So. And then this. Right, right, right. Uh, I do want to get back to talking about the book Inside Melania, which I've read a draft of it. And I got a sense of your mind in reading this book. <laughs> um, you've got to be great at parties, but I mean, I can imagine just sitting down and having a cup of coffee with you and just kind of <laughs> ideas must be bouncing in your head constantly. <laughs> I mean, from what I saw in the book, but I'd like to, we, we will get to the book. Let's, let's go back to the beginning of um, uh, Lauren Lagutice. Grew up in Howard Beach, a uh, big yep. Italian family where mm-hmm. you sounded but did not look like the rest of your family. Absolutely. How, how, how did so, that happen? You're tall and Nordic looking. Yeah. And they're Italian looking. Yeah. I mean, no one really knows. I mean, and I used to talk like this. And so I was always like the, the black sheep. Um, and people say like, everyone's like, I want to be tall. I want to be tall. And I, all I wanted to be was short with brown hair. That's I wanted desperately to look like. Get out. And it just wasn't because everyone around me was like that. So you just feel the odd one out. And um, you know, you know, and then simultaneously, you're also hated for that. And, and so you don't understand why they're hating you because you don't believe it. And so you just sort of internalize it. We won't delve into that too far. <laughs> but one thing I want to ask you, I mean, obviously, over your career, and we'll kind of get to some of the hats that you've worn in, in, mm-hmm. uh, in your years as a performer, mm-hmm. very many different hats of performer. Is there anything earlier in your life when you were growing up that indicated to you or your family that you would be this kind of, you know, everywhere person that was so prolific. 
Yeah. So I think like I was very empathetic from an early age. I remember watching a movie about Nadia, Nadia Comaneci. I told the priest the next day we went to church, I am, they're like, what's your name, little girl? And I'm like, I am Nadia Comaneci. <laughs> <laughs> so I had this sense of being able to put myself in another. And it probably because I felt so different. So it was like, um, I felt so outside of myself in general that I was able to easily put myself in someone else's shoes. And so that's and, kind of like an first sort of indication. And then also I had the observer lens that I was watching the women in my family and how they treated each other. Uh, and I was watching the dynamics between people. And therefore I was able to later in my work, like naturally, like I'm doing all these different characters because my first characters were the women in my family uh, because I saw like the pain they were bringing on each other and the misogyny between them. And I felt like I was able to really dive into that and, and, you know, really, I didn't even realize that I was doing satire at the time. I felt like I was just telling the truth. How old, how old were you when you're this period you're talking about? Um, that I just started doing characters. Yeah. Uh, I started doing characters, I think when I got into show business. Um, and that was like, I basically after college didn't realize that like it was possible to be a performer. Cause my family was like, I went to Wesleyan and like for how like out there Wesleyan is, my family's like, you know, major in something practical, you know, pension benefits. So like I majored in science and I didn't realize that like you were supposed to like school. I was like, oh, I'm crying in the library every night. Like, isn't that normal? Like, isn't that? <laughs> so after college, I like became a science teacher for a second and in Oakland, California, which was a great experience. Taught me I'm like, really, I like being on stage in front of people. It was like I was a performer more than a teacher. And I love the kids. I love being in front of people, but I really like, um, and then I went to India to try to like figure out what I was going to do on a fellowship. I was just like super lost because you don't understand. Like there was no one who was like guiding, like you can be a performer. Like there was nothing like indicating. So I was just trying all this other stuff to like keep a flow. Let me go figure it out here. And then finally, like after seeing like, you know, the fifth dead body in the street in India, cause you always see a dead body when you go to India. Like I came back and was like, I gotta just do what I love to do. And that's, I didn't know what that meant. Cause then it's like, all right, let's go into it. And then it's like, well, no one, no one was t like, no, I had no context of like what that even meant. I knew one person in show business. And, and so then when I got into it, I knew there was like a story to, t I knew I had a story to tell. I'd always like danced when I was a kid and would like make up, I would write plays and shows in my living room, which I still do today. So it's like what you did when you were 10, you're going to end up doing, but I didn't realize that could be a thing. So I always knew when I came, when I decided to finally do it, I was like, I have a story to tell. And so then I started um, working as soon as I got into show business and became an actor, like I was just trying to figure out where to perform and I knew, like, I liked creating my own thing. Almost immediately after I, like, found this wig, I was doing this party, um, was producing this party at the time, this dress-up party, quote, faux queen party, and I started, like, putting on the wigs, and, and, and then the first characters that came out were, like, were this, was this character Carmela, and... And then from there, moved moved on. And I had already developed a character, Queens Marie, like through different things. So like, as basically, as soon as I started to like perform, these ideas started to form. And I think it was because like, if I want to tell a story, this is what I've seen. And growing up, this is what I've always seen. It's been like these perspective of other and putting an opinion on that 
I didn't realize that was satire, but that's exactly what I was like set up to do. Okay, okay. I'm going to pick up some crumbs that you just kind of yes, laid, yeah. laid please, out there. Please, please. But let's just back up just a little bit. At Wesley, and you played basketball. I did. How I tall did. are you? I'm 5'10, 5'10 and a half, 5'11, something like that. Was, yeah. it, was basketball something you'd always played, and do you still play it? Um, I played it um, really religiously, uh, and I was very, very passionate about basketball. And I knew it was also my ticket out of my neighborhood because I had heard about people like getting into better colleges because of it and getting some financial aid money um, on the side because of it. So I knew that that was my ticket out of the neighborhood and away from the people I didn't like feel I was really associated with. And so, yeah, I was really into it. And I played for two years and then um, realized that um, I wanted to do other things. Uh, point guard? Uh, small uh, forward. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then I played rugby, and then I was like, "Ah, rugby's more fun." Rugby, <laughs> my goodness, my goodness! Yeah, I, mean, I, that, I didn't know there was women rugby. Oh yeah! Oh my god! It was so fun, and our team was quite good, and it was just really fun to tackle people. Right. It was awesome. Shove yeah. their face in the dirt, you know? It was awesome. There are rugby teams in the city, so I don't know if you want to, you know, get. Yeah. Get, get when I graduated, I was like, "Oh wow! If I get hurt, uh, yeah, I might not have health insurance. <laughs> I, can't, and, I can't do this." And it's 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 easy to get easy to get hurt. So af- after college, you went to India on an mm-hmm. award from the American India Foundation. Yes. And you mm-hmm. you worked with people who had AIDS there, is that right? Yeah, I worked with um I, w- I worked with a few different projects related to HIV AIDS and one of my favorite ones um was KHBT and was it was able to spend a lot of time around um LGBT the what we would understand as L- the LGBT community, the lower class LGBTQ community in in India. Yeah, and what yeah, what cities were you in? I was in Bangalore. I was based in Bangalore. Yeah, right, right. In the south. Um, how, how did you get into that? Why? Why? I mean, that seems so different than this performance thing you're doing now, and that really yeah. inspired you. Why did you go to India to help people with AIDS? Yeah, I, I guess I was I was still. Even though I had spent like some time teaching, it was like starting to do some performance art and was like, wow, this performance thing like really speaks to me. And it didn't occur to me that I could just be a performer. Like that was never in my mind. And so I was like, maybe I'll go like, you know, cause I graduated with a lot of rich kids who a lot of whom got to like travel for a year. I didn't have the money to travel for a year. So I was like, I'm going to make my own little like travel for a year thing by getting a fellowship. And like having that space and time to figure this out because I don't know how or what I want to do and I have to figure this out. And basically like as soon as I got to India, I was like, yeah, I just got to, yeah, it started to like snowball. And you took uh, some lessons in a uh, classical Indian dance form. Yeah, yeah. That kind of links (laughs) in. I was there for Atanatyam. So I became like a junior level bard. (laughs) Wow. The answer, I love it. It was really fun. And it was like, I would, they basically, this fellowship, they've amended it since, but they just like dropped me off in, in Bangalore. I was just like genderqueer, like super, like kid from Queens dropped off in the middle of Bangalore without proper housing. I had to like figure out housing. Jeez. <laughs> it was so, my housing was screwed up from beginning to end. Um, and then, and then without like any help, but then my friend of a friend was like, I know a dance teacher there. 
And I know you want to like get into performing, like you've talked about that. Why don't you call her up? So she was like my mom, like my mom, wow. my, my, my mom from Bangalore. So she was very helpful and we would like talk about stuff. And, and I, it was like a center, you know, when everything else is, she gave me a place to live when I got kicked out of a house, but it was like a whole other thing. So it was like a center, but in the midterm, like, yeah. And I got to become a junior level bar Nazi dancer. Do you still practice it? I used to, but I don't, and I want to, because I love it. It's such a great workout. Is there a school in, really in the fun. city? I think there's like classes in right. the city where there were. There's you know, it, stuff it, online. it occurs to me, your family must have thought you were crazy. Because this has oh, nothing yeah, to do with their experience at all, right? They still think I'm out of my mind. Like they don't, a lot of them don't even know how to talk to me. Like they don't even know how to begin, you know, because their whole, their, what they talk about is like, work, work sucks. How, when do you have to work? When do you have off all that stuff? And I'm yeah. like creating stuff and kind of doing what I feel like doing every day. And it's like, they don't even know how to like, and they, they thought I was so nuts, but they weren't, I'd already been, I had studied abroad in Tanzania. So they, like I had already started traveling and going places. So, you know, they were more or less like primed for it when I was in India, but yeah, they, they, they thought I was nuts. Yeah. You know what? I, I, I think I'm, I'm getting the feeling now after kind of reading your book and looking at your website and your TikTok stuff. And I kind of have to sit down and kind of be with you for several months in order to get a real feel of how far your tentacles go out. Tanzania? <laughs> I mean, you study in Tanzania? All right. Let's not even go there because that's you, you were a model for a while. How did that yeah, happen? So, so basically, it was like I came back from India. And it was an easy thing to get an entree into show business. That's a really easy way to get to know a lot of people really quickly. Yeah. And uh, get work that way. I mean, unfortunately, that's the kind of world we live in. Right. And Ed, was it high fashion model? And was it something that you studied or you just kind of just fell into Oh, I it? mean, there's no studying to me. I mean, now I just basically hit the ground running and just set up a portfolio and tried yeah. to get work. And it was mo- more of it was like an entree to get acting work okay it was just a door to, it wasn't so much like like i am now a model it was like this is a way to get acting work right right and yeah. and i i imagine that experience and we'll get to it has kind of informed your a uh, take on on uh the, the flotus absolutely because i you know i had an agent i was in the business and I got to see some of what was going on and yeah, I mean, I definitely, there was a whole section that really related to my experience um, in the industry. And I did send it to some people who are currently working in it and they confirmed like, Oh yeah. And it's even more so Um, what you say about Melania in the modeling industry and how she like, you know, let's, let's put some pieces together about her career and how she might've survived. Um, they feel that it's even more so the case. Yeah. Okay. And we and I do want to get to Melania, but there was a couple of things I wanted to uh, yeah, yeah, kind of cover. Of you've you clearly you've you're you're an actress, actor, mm-hmm. worked in film, television, soap, sitcom. You were on Veeps. I realized that I saw you in a play uh, where you played Hannah Arndt by my former office mate uh, Howard Flanzer. Yes. Yes, that was that several years ago. Called On the Border about Benjamin and was at the medicine show. And I go like, yeah, I saw that because Howard was my office mate at John Jay. That's so, so somewhat, somewhat of crazy guy. I don't know what your take was on him, but uh, uh, I mean, it was, a, it was a crazy play and the medicine show is a crazy place, uh, which I love. They gave me my first plays in New York. 
You mentioned but, earlier that you had taken some, uh, that, that you had gotten out of your Italian Howard Beach accent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you gave us a little sampling of it. I'd like to hear more. But Lynn Singer had helped you correct your accent. And I read that, um, and then there's actually an article in the New York Times, Unlearning to Talk Like a New Yorker, T-A-W-K. I also had gone, I'd gone to acting school for a while and then I, I didn't pursue it. But I had a New York accent too, and because I was brought up in Miami, but uh, my father would talk Brooklyn, and so so. What did you used to sound like? Uh, that would be hard to say. I think I sound more like this is more like my Queens Marie voice. I would sound more like this. It's funny on my on my audio book. I went like a few. There's at the end of the book for anyone who listens. The real fans will know. There's a sentence, and I left it in. I could have redid it, but I left it in. There's a sentence at the end of my book where I'm talking as myself and then I go into Queens Murray. <laughs> <laughs> but I used to talk like most talk like this. I'd be like this, like what? You know, that was my sort of like combative uh, Queens accent. And I never thought I had an accent. And then I went to Wesley and I realized like everyone's like, oh my God, she talks so funny. You know, <laughs> so I was like, all right, I have an accent. And then I just naturally, a lot of it went away. Then when I became an actor, people were like, yeah, you still have an accent. Like there's still some sounds you make. You're not like fully breaking from the accent. And that's when I was working with Lynn Singer. There were, we were like, you know, it, it, speech is very personal. And so when you break the sound, you're like, you feel like you're breaking an identity in, in, a, in a way which is, you know, like My Fair Lady, that's what that's about. You know, that's what that's about. Like, you know, you're actually crafting a different identity. And I think it was able for me to just step into a new life that yeah. as we're talking about, like, it was just so impossible for me to like, the idea of me becoming a performer full time as a, as a profession was so, it took me years to realize like, that's possible and I, I can do it. Breaking with my accent was enabled me to like step into that new life. Is that what I'm saying? Right, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I did experience that when I was going to SMU and trying to break out of that kind of Brooklyn-y sound. Yeah. And realizing, you know, I could be someone else. Um, so, yeah. And now talking about being someone else, you've been several others uh, <laughs> in, in your career. And you take on, as, as uh, I've noticed, um, two great women. One, uh, Greta Garbo. Uh, and I wanted to talk about your take, your impersonation. I don't even know if the word impersonation is is correct because you're not really an impersonator. You kind of take yeah. over the soul of the person, sort of. Yes, I, I agree. There's always a take. An impersonator just tries to be like the person, yeah. like exact. And I guess, an impre- you know, there's, there's, there's like takes on it, but it was definitely a take on her. Um, and to me, I really dipped into like her wacky side and obviously this is like my perspective if you know like you know my history you know who I am like you know I'm gonna go for the absurd option but she did have this super wacky side she like would hide these little trolls around her apartment and she like had like a sick sense of humor and she was super funny and super sad a little bit and she liked to stay inside and she hated everyone it just she was but she wasn't like malevolent like like someone like maybe some of the other stars like funny that way, but she was just funny and wacky. That was her thing. Right. When, when it seems to me that when you um, invest in a, a, a character, Greta Garbo as, as a character, mm-hmm. you really get into it. I mean, you look at yeah. it from all different ways and then you mine it. M I N E 
for all kinds of little gems in all kinds of different venues. So, for instance, for the uh, Greta Garbo character, you, uh, you wrote and performed a one-act play, Garbo Dreams. You formed a production company that was surrounded around Garbo Dreams. You created a short film about an actress who's trying to discover Garbo. You uh, created a photo, uh, a photo exhibit pulling into your modeling uh, um, experience. You did a project in Playa del Carmen, Mexico, based on a Garbo theme with underwater photography, which, by the way, I'm not sure how to tell people to find it, but it's just go to your website. Yeah. And yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll mention your website at the end. And it's gorgeous photos in which you're underwater as Greta Garbo. As a member of the Campus Pride Speakers Bureau, you created an, an interactive performance which involved your study of mm-hmm. Greta Garbo. So, I mean, it's not just you doing a play. It's more than yeah. that. Yeah, it's almost like I create a media channel around each of the projects. Yeah. Um, and it simply my mind thinks that way. I mean, with Melania, it's the same thing. It's I have the sh- show it was actually videos first and then it was like her on stage doing stand-up and then a show and then a book I now like I know how to be more strategic about it but Garbo um Garbo was just kind of happened that way it's like other people get inspired what I'm doing like part of that is like other people coming to me and saying like hey I know this photographer Amber Rima who worked on the Garbo photo spread and we were like let's collaborate. My friend is coming in from France. She's um, a brilliant stylist. And she's like, let's, let's do something together. Because what you find is that often is that it's a good idea is with someone who's ready to execute is a rare thing. And so people jump on that. And I think in like more expansive ways, I didn't go to an acting conservatory where it was drilled into my head. This is the way it should be. And so my mind, why not do a film on it? Like, why not? Like, why, why? Like, I don't understand why everything has to be one way. And so I'm going to come at it from a different way because I don't, I don't, I didn't, I didn't get uh, my spirit didn't get broken by, by an acting by school. Dogma. Yeah, really. Acting schools can break your spirit. Yeah, they can. I've ex- they can. I've experienced that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I, I'm I'm curious from this non-professional, you know, unskilled place where you didn't get training, you've come up with these amazing things because you don't you're not limited by, by that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And like and also getting training on the way, like in a way, like again, if you sign up for a conservatory, like you have to take whatever teachers they give you. Yeah. I got whatever teachers I needed. There you go. Like a lot of people told me that like your voice is fine. I don't know why you want to like do anything about it. And and a lot of people told me that. And then Lynn Singer was like, I can hear traces of New York. You're not using your voice totally. You're hiding. And she was able to tell me that because I sought her out and I kept finding teachers. And so, you know, we worked very closely together um, on scene study on and voice on acting. And so I feel like, you know, I got the, the whenever and now I work a lot on with the lucid body technique. Like I'm constantly learning and I feel like, like someone told me, they went to an acting conservatory and they told me, this isn't to bash them, but I'm just saying like, you know, I've gotten it from the streets and I think that's value. And so like someone said, I, I went to, I graduated in this and I couldn't imagine standing on stage for an hour and performing. Mm-hmm. Well, why did you spend a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars? It's pretty yeah. shocking, but no. yeah. you know, everyone's craft is different. I just feel like uh, I was able to get, get the training I needed to and continue to get 
you know, in writing and acting to, to do the work that I want to do. Let's talk about your craft, because the yeah. way you uh, approach Greta Garbo, and I guess you approached Melania Trump in, in a similar way, and you call the book Inside Melania, mm-hmm. uh, and you kind of describe a bit in what I read about how you get inside Melania. And from what yeah. I read, it's by walking like her, by kind of like getting mm-hmm. into her body physically. Is that yeah. right? Is that how you start? That's, it's become more and more how I start to think about it. And lucid body technique has helped me a lot with that. Uh, I like to, and there's a certain mystery to all of this. So this is like all approximate because it's different every time. But I do like, I'm a physical person. I was an athlete. So looking at physical gesture and like using that to inform internal psychology has become more and more something that, that I'm doing. I think it's something that a lot of people poo poo, but um, I have found teachers who actually celebrate that. So yeah. that's, well, you're an artist, so you can get away with trying to say, well, I've, I've invested, I've in, I've put myself into this body called mm-hmm. Melania Trump and I'm moving like her and I'm kind of sound, I'm sounding like her and I'm starting to think like her. And here are mm-hmm. the thoughts that are coming up. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what Inside Melania is. Exactly. Because she can't sue me for that. No. No, she exactly. can't. Exactly. And I think, um, how is she doing? Can Is she done with her uh, Pilates? <laughs> oh, I know. I'm a little sore, so I applied the cream. Oh, Melania. <laughs> great. Thank you for coming coming back into the room. I, I didn't want to disturb you. And it's so wonderful to hear that you're, you're visiting with Lauren. I, I, and I wanted to ask you some, some questions. Is that all right? Oh, you can ask. Be best. Okay. Lord be- makes me do the work. I don't enjoy. I mean, I have to answer questions without being paid, but that is what first lady do. So, okay. Well, right. first off, I just want to ask you, um, and I know th- th- with the fake news that's going on, are you going to tell me the truth? Are you going to tell me, you know, are you going to answer my question truthfully or are you going to evade them? Because I heard well, people to, say you evade. To the, to the Trumps, truth is whatever you need to say to get to your advantage. So that's it. Yeah. Well, I've heard that actually you, and I know you're, you're not, you're real, that sometimes there's a fake Melania that goes around with, the, with your husband. I, I mean, was so upset yeah. when I heard about the body double conspiracy yeah. because it wasn't actually true. It was me. It was just a distortion on the TV that made me look a little different. But you know why I upset? Because now I can't do it and get away with it. Um. I wish that I had figured it out first so then at least I can do it a few times to at least enjoy what that would mean. Yeah, well, maybe you should just go ahead and do it. Find, find you know, a, a man who dresses up as a woman and step in as, as you and just have fun with it. You know, that may be a way. I mean, why, why do that? I could just find any other Slovenian in the box. <laughs> oh, that's easy. Just... That's easy, right? It's been talked about a lot that your husband, um, the president, has been uh, dating various really, really really beautiful young women in, you know, in his days. Does that bother you? That he dated other people? Well, uh, while he was married to you. Oh, you mean that. Uh, so whenever I hear that, um, I just close my eyes mm-hmm. and I count to 3.1 million. Yes. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to laugh. I just, that sounds like it would take a lot, a long time. I have all the time in the world. Yep. Uh, I've, I've heard that you're really not concerned that your husband cheats on you. It's really not a concern of yours. And I'm just, I mean, so it, that's really true. It doesn't really concern you. 
No, the, th- the few times a month that I see him, as long as he treats me right ah. and, and don't take longer than the usual sex appointment, I think it's fine. <laughs> ah, okay. How long? No, never mind. I was gonna, never mind. Um, so um, how would he feel if he found out that you were with another person, male or um, female? He doesn't need to find out if I was with another person. That's what I would say. Yeah. Yeah. It would actually blow my my whole prenup. So we make sure he never find that out. Okay. All right. At some point, and I'm I'm afraid to tell you, but by the way he eats, it's going to happen pretty soon. And the fact he doesn't wear a mask. When he goes, who's going to be the next? Who do you want to aim your target on? Oh, let's say, well, if he goes, that's the best for Melania. Oh. Because... See, if he goes, this is why I put extra bacon on his Big Macs. Because if yeah. he goes, Melania lives nice life. Ah. Mm. So do you, do you think you would get married? I mean, Jeff Bozos? Or? Why would I want to have to go through the prenup situation again? Ah. Then they want money from me. No, ah. Melania live alone on yacht. I can pay for people for the sexy time. I do not need to get from a marriage. Melania, you know what? I've I've seen you on television, and I'm hearing you now. You seem a lot more. You seem smarter now than I than I've heard in the past. So I, I appreciate you being open about that. Don't don't tell my Donald that I have smarts. No, he never listens to Hunker Down. So we're 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 cool about that. You you've said many times that you're a mother first. You're not the first lady of the country. You're a mother first. Um, so when you and Baron get together, what do you guys do? Ah, when that, well, you know, I see him for like about 20 minutes a day. We play some magnet tiles on the floor and I send him back with my nanny. Ah, ah. You must, be, first. you must be very proud. I am so proud. He does so good. Yeah. He puts the shapes together and I clap. Yeah. Uh, does he ever come up and say, you know, mom, it's like, yeah, I, there's something really bothering me and I need to talk about it. Is, is there anything that really concerns Baron at this point in his young life? I just pay people to listen. That's what I do. Ah, okay. All right. All right let's, let's, talk, let's talk about Be Best. Um, this is your initiative as the floatist, the first lady of the mm. United States. And I just, have you seen my website? I have, and I actually have some quotes here from the website. Oh, that's great. I hear it's magnificent. Okay, tell me. <laughs> ah, you, you didn't write the website? What? Why, why would I do work as first lady? No. Ah, Okay. <laughs> Well, but, but obviously these are ideas that came out, out of your, um, your mission and your goals. And so sure. let, let, sure. me, let me, let me uh, just refer to the website. It says that the mission of Be Best is to focus on some of the major issues facing children, goal of encouraging children to be best in their individual paths, teaching them importance of social, social emotional, physical health, well-being, online safety, opioid abuse. I mean, that's a lot, right? That's a lot of stuff. Wow, Can that you... sounds great, though. It does. Stephanie so... did a great job on that one, yes. So, yeah, but what can you put in your own words, what is Be Best? It is a program to be the best. Yes? You just think Be Best, and then all of your problems are solved. That's really how it goes. Ah, my team do such a great job, though, right? I think every when we go once a month and take pictures with a poor person, I just think I am really changing the world. Ah, yeah, but isn't this about children? It's not about you. I mean, you're changing the world, but where's the focus on the children, helping the children? Wait, why would I have to focus on anything but myself? I Ah. don't. 
Okay, okay, okay. I'm, 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 sta- I'm starting to see the theme here. Um, another thing that it says on the uh, Be Best website is that you, Mrs. Trump, believe that children should be both seen and heard. Uh, t- terrific, seen and heard. And the responsibility as adults to educate and reinforce them and that they need to use their voices online, choose their words wisely, speak with respect and compassion online. But, madam, your husband is not like this at all. He is, he is, the, he is, the, he is really bad ah. online. Stephen Miller wrote that? that one. Oh, it was that wrote that one. Oh, so good. I, they are just so smart. I got to say, oh, my team's so good. See, what they do is they do that. So you get confused and you think Melania, nice person. And then you think I make Donald better person. Isn't it great? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, that's pretty smart there, Melania. I'll tell you that. That's Stephen um, Miller. Thank him. They be best. Be best. Be Shout be- out to Stephen. Hey. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. Hey. <laughs> Thank you for, for being best for all of us. You've also said that you're one of the most bullied persons in the world. Oh, yes. How could that be? Well, you, you're, you've got I it want good. To, I, I want to, to amend that. I say I, I am the most bullied person in the world next to Kanye, Kim Kardashian, and Roger Stone. All right. All right. I'm, I'm beginning to see how your mind is, is, uh, wraps around these ideas. We're, we're now in the middle of uh, the COVID crisis, uh, mm-hmm. COVID-19, corona. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you wear a mask in public? Oh, yes, I do. Jared Kushner's requested that everyone in the White House make sure, she made sure everyone do the masks, well, the women, because he wanted to impress his friend Mohammed bin Salman by having all the women in the White House cover their mouths. So. Ah, so, sounds good. Do you have your mask with you? Um, it's somewhere over there, somewhere. I don't know. Okay, all I, right. I know, I know how to put it on, you know, a mask tutorial. Okay. okay You're going yeah. to take one end and put it on one ear. Okay. Another end, put it on the other ear. Yeah. And then never request your husband wear one too. Ah, but why doesn't he wear a mask? I mean, don't you worry about him? Do you want to encourage him to wear a mask? No, I really don't. I really don't. You know, you're you're clearly a very fit person. Uh, mm. you, you you're constantly working out, and I, I'm a I'm sensing now you really don't worry about Donald's weight and the fact that he has these huge McDonald's you know dinners and this this mm. is okay. This is okay with you. It's be best. I my my workout. I do Pilates, you know, three times a day, and then w- once a month or twice a month, I have to miss for a a first lady function, and and then I just ask Donald for extra money in the prenup for that. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Melania. You've you've really got it together. I have this last question I wanted to ask you, but I think I already know the answer. You know, if Donald were to die, the way he's going, he's going to pretty soon. And you were to become president. You were to become president. Have you ever thought about what you would like to do beyond be best? Oh, no. See, see, I can't. Uh, me, agreement, no. I go to, I be on plane to far away to the Bahamas before anything. I have to be president. I don't. I want to make Melania great again. Okay. That's what I really want. Well. Okay. But, you know. There was a thing because Ivanka was trying to be more like First Lady. I think she would just succeed because what's happening now, she tried to be a little like the First Lady in the beginning. So Donald sat us all around and said, okay, Melania, you do the First Lady thing. Like you just take pictures with kids and play with construction paper. And then Ivanka, Ivana, what we do for you is we will, sorry, Ivanka, you will do, we do for you is we will just train you to be the next president. So that's what's going on right now. Does she get upset? Go on, go on. 
Oh, Melania, see, Melania knows. Melania understands America very well, um, to my years here, that it, it, it's going for America to el- elect a pr- female president. It will take forever. The, it will take the biggest cunt in the land. That- <laughs> to become president, right. Does, it, does Ivanka ever get upset that you mis- mispronounce her name and call her Ivana? Um, no, I mean, I've talked to her about once or twice, um, and that's it. She wouldn't listen to this anyway. Right, right. And your parents are concerned with getting her own power. Your parents, they, uh, they like Donald, your husband. Oh, yes. Especially because my, uh, my father is almost the same age. So they understand each other very well. Melania Trump, first lady of the United States. Thank you so much. I think this may be the longest interview you've ever had. Um, I know. Yeah. Because the fake news doesn't let me do anything. And also, I'm not allowed to talk unless I read off teleprompter. So I came today. I snuck out of the JFK uh, booty, sorry, the Bill Clinton booty call tunnel to come here today. So thank you very much and be best. Thank you. Melania Trump. Lauren, that's that's so great. That must be so much fun to to play her. Yeah, it's it's sad. It's it's. it gives me a bit of sanity in this insane times to be able to do something. And I, and to see, it's also a, a, an angle people aren't paying attention to. It's a very insidious use. They, they use her in very strategic ways. Um, like I talked about, she's like, yes, oh, they gaslight you so well. Um, they are gas. They use her to gaslight the American public on a regular basis. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's insane. And like, no one's ringing the bell. And so I make it my mission to ring the bell. Everyone's playing a role. Everyone's playing a role there. And I sense that she's smarter than she's allowed to present herself. Maybe, maybe, maybe uh, not. Well, she's smart. Like I say in the book, like she is not intellectually developed. Like she's not going to have a, a conversation with you about literature, but she can, is smart <laughs> about and manipulative. And so she's smart enough to know that Milan, that Donald wants someone that's a little more... Um, docile and so she'll make sure to give that what he wants they're each playing the role that they need to play to be successful in their own realm donald and melania yeah inside melania i've been looking through it and i've been kind of reading and scrolling through it and there's so many ideas there press conferences with melania there's a play with melania a vogue (laughs) interview of melania which is very funny a variety of fairy tales melania tweets that reveal you know, what's going on inside her head, fan letter, Melania's prenup is there, and Melania on TikTok, along with video scripts of future TikTok uh, videos, which I found almost surreal, especially video number seven, in which the uh, Donald Trump is a Pez dispenser, and there's an off-screen voice in a Slovenian accent that's trying to imitate Donald Trump, saying, your best job is not to notice the smell. I mean, it's like that's 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 surreal. Getting a real other view on this on this family. Um, how much fun was it to write this book? And when is it coming out? Is it out? July fourth. Ah, oh, this weekend. Yeah. All right. Yes, comes out in two days. Yeah, it's, it was really really fun to write. I wrote an experimental play about the best campaign by New York City disgruntled playwright. Um, and disgruntled <laughs> playwright. So it was a way for me. I was, yes, I was spoofing Melania's Be Best campaign. But it was also, from everyone who's been to experimental theater, a compilation of all of the tropes that are used in experimental theater. You know, the. the, the <laughs> so it's a play on the experimental theater, too. 
Yeah. Yes, yeah. totally. Everything that's done there, you know, like the, you know, things that descend from the ceiling and the rain and the, all these things that are done. Um, it was real. So it was really fun doing that and able to bring in other things and like poke fun of other things that are related to Melania and like incorporate all that in. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck with, with the book. You're not just a performer. You have a speaking engagement for, was it CIA speakers? Uh, yes. Talk about so I work for, yeah. yeah, I work for Contemporary Issues Agency um, as a speaker. And so part of what's great about them is they're really open to me bringing like the work I do as a performer to colleges. And the best way to do that is through lectures. So I brought my Greta Garbo project in terms of like, how can people like, what are people interested in? How can that help people now, basically? So what Greta Garbo is about old stories of old Hollywood. And we thought about roping that into like me too would be really interesting. So but that's you, you focus, that you focus on gay old Hollywood. I do. Yeah. I do. And that's how, um, that, that's a lot of the research I did for Garbo. And cause you're correct. I do a lot of research and I do learn all these quirky little stories. So it enables me to be able to, to share that. And then for, I mean, Melania cannot go to colleges and this is a very unfortunate thing. Otherwise I would have done, there would be a Melania whole thing with CIA, but um, they don't want to book political stuff, which is crazy. And what? it's too edgy. It's too edgy for them. Nope. They're not going to, they're not going to book it. No colleges. No, no, I don't do, I don't do Melania at colleges. Wow. But Greta Garbo is okay. Greta Garbo is okay. Doing old Hollywood stuff. Cause it's wrapped into things that they're concerned about. Um, and I do also do another lecture, which involves my characters in general, like, uh, um, which is related to some stuff they're going through on college campuses. But yeah, Melania could not, my agent was like, there's no, wow. which is sad. I know it's so sad. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it, it's something we has to be talked about, the ludicrous positions that we're in politically. Lauren Laguduche, thank you so much for um, being on Hunkered Down. It's been a wild ride, a roller <laughs> ride talking with you. Yeah, uh, thank you for, for having me. Um, why don't you tell yeah, us your website? Everyone, can, you can find information about my book and everything else I'm up to at laurenlogi, L-O-G-I, dot com. Say it again, L-O-G-I. Yep. L-O-G-I dot com. So it's really yep. easy, Logi. Right? Yeah, and I'm Lauren Logi all over the internet, like on every platform. That's my... And uh, ch- check out uh, the, all the TikTok stuff. It's uh, <laughs> kind of amazing. I, I love the the ones I love the best is Melania talking to um, uh, Elizabeth uh, Warren. Ah, thank you. Yes, yeah, Camille I saw, Theobald. I saw it too, because she calls Melania Mel Mel. Yes. <laughs> I think those are brilliant. I want you to do more of those. Cause that, thank you. Thank yeah. you. And, we had a good time. Yeah, we have a, a set up that Elizabeth Warren's trying to get information from Melania. So she's mm-hmm. like, you know, let me, let me you talk to me, girl. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, it calls her Mel Mel. <laughs> <laughs> very funny. Very, very funny. A lot of wonderful stuff. Lauren, thank you very much again. Be, be safe. Um, it was a pleasure meeting you. Thank you. And, thank uh, you. and we'll good luck. Best. And we'll keep an eye on you. Uh, well, thank you so much. I appreciate right. it. Thank you. You've been listening to the Hunker Down Podcast. Conversations with actors and musicians about their lives on stage during a pandemic. If you have any questions or suggestions, please contact us at UpperWestSideRadio at gmail.com. That's one word, UpperWestSideRadio at gmail.com. <laughs>